0: identifying what you want to be takes time. And as you enter into the workforce, trying things on is very, very important, just like getting changed every day. And I would encourage anyone who's listening to make sure that you continue to try and strive to find a company that works to bring out your best. You want to work for an organization that allows you to continue to flourish.
1: welcome to another episode of the hospitality mentor podcast today i'm very excited to have jerry williams fitz the chief people officer for highgate hotels jerry welcome to the show
0: thank you so much steve for having me
1: well jerry we start every episode the same way we jump right into it so what was your first job in hospitality
0: I have to do a go back because I can say that part of what makes my DNA was really the upbringing I had. I'm from a little town called Gross Point, Michigan. And in that wonderful experience of growing up, my father was a college English professor and speech professor. And little did I know that all of those very challenging conversations at the dinner table Um, And his redirection on verbiage and communication was going to play into my future. I didn't appreciate it then. And I can say that it is to the core of what I got the privilege and honor to do throughout my career. Upon concluding schooling, I did immediately go into a retail background. And I entered into the Macy's organization. And at that given time, I was living in Atlanta, Georgia. And I remember being in this room, this bright eyed person coming out of school, eager and zestful. And in front of me was this incredible trainer. And she was so eloquent and she was so inspiring. And I walked up to her after that session and I said, what do I have to do to be you? And she looked at me and she had been with the organization for about eight years and she was much older than I in her career and she virtually tapped me on the head and said oh that was nice Um, but every chance and every opportunity i got was following her around Um, i felt that she was so obsessed with excellence that she really had great humility and care and continuity she then got elevated at the macy's organization and now we were friends and i went and I asked for her position and I became a regional training manager for all of the Macy's organization in the Atlanta market. A role I probably was not equipped to have at that given time, but I had her as an amazing mentor. And so I, I guess my message would really start out with, you never know who your mentors are going to be. Um, she was then elevated, as I mentioned, and into the Macy's organization to an assistant director of human resources. And at that time, it was at Lenox Square, which housed around 550 valued team members. And we were now, as I said, friends. And I walked up and said, how do I become you? And I also got the privilege during that period of time to write the Macy's Professional Vives, which was a, a service standard program and platform. And this was right as those, those Nordstrom stories were coming out. And service was really fundamentally the foundation of any retail atmosphere. Um, She taught me the right ways. I then was elevated and promoted to an assistant director of human resources. And she and I were now equivalents. I then was promoted and I was elevated to a director and she was still an assistant. And she walked up to me now and said, what do I have to do to be you? Wow. What an amazing privilege and honor was it to be a partner with her, someone who's learned by her, someone who recognized Um, humbleness in her skill set that maybe I possessed that she didn't and things that she possessed that I didn't. So that compliment then worked hand in hand to her growth and development. And she elevated to be an EVP for a large banking organization in the Atlanta market. I then moved on from the Macy's organization into Lord & Taylor and Mm -hmm. continued opening um, locations for Lord & and lo and behold, I fell into hospitality. And how I fell into hospitality was really a fluke. I was calling around to hotels to try and solicit a weekend getaway for my team. And they wound up soliciting me. And so Hilton at the time had around 183 hotels, um, I was uh, brought on board to be over the uh, southern region that was based out of Atlanta, Raleigh, Alabama, and I grew my career within the Hilton umbrella. I opened the very first ever uh, Hilton Garden Inn in Lake Mary, Florida, and then launched the very first kiosk for Hilton. I then went ahead and expanded my responsibilities um, more broadly within the Hilton organization, writing some of their guest service recovery programs. Again, met with some amazing mentors and people who helped guide me operationally um, and really educate me on hospitality. I was then asked if I wanted to go ahead and expand my career with Hilton. And Hilton merged with Promise Hotels at that time and went to over 1,100 hotels overnight. Relocating was not within my wheelhouse at that given time. Um, So then I moved into Wyndham International. And Windham International, I was based out of the Atlanta market. I oversaw the Eastern region and got the honor to continue to grow my career again with some more amazing mentors who really challenged me, challenged me in ways I never, ever thought were possible and really helping me shape my responsibilities and mold me from the unpredictableness of our business and mold me in ways that that really are so valued to me. Today.
1: Well, before you continue, I want to jump in because you, we've unpacked a lot here in the beginning, and I love hearing this journey. But I know that our listeners will want to hear a couple of things because I'm curious. So, you're growing in retail, you're doing an amazing job there because you've moved up, like you said, and you're letting people know you want to move up and you're going after the jobs you want. Why all of a sudden make that change from retail going to Hilton? Because for a lot of people, it's a big jump, right? Like we see it all the time. Like people want to get into hospitality and they have some retail backgrounds, but it doesn't always line up perfectly. But in your world of HR, what made it work? What made it that jump?
0: I would say what I recognized was uh, there was a blending of two companies coming together. uh, Federated and May companies were blending together. Um, They were closing down the corporate headquarters that really housed those in particular markets. And I also felt that people were people, regardless of whatever market I was going to be working in. You can't really replicate what it means to put people first in everything you do and in every industry, boosting engagement, making people feel valued, encouraging folks to bring their best version of themselves to work every day. Um, is something that really is a common thread throughout any business in, the, in my mind. Um, and so that jump for me was really not as challenging because it really was service. It was service. And my, my guests were our valued associates and our valued team members. And I had a bigger responsibility in, in looking at how do we steer the course in hiring and retaining talent and growing careers of people and again, allowing them to learn from the lessons I had gotten the privilege to learn and to serve as a mentor to them so they could grow their careers.
1: All right, that makes sense. And so when you get to Hilton that first week or first month, can you think back? Was it like, all right, I've got this like, whoa, I, need, I, have, a, I have a lot to learn here. What was it like for you when you first started there?
0: I think it was very exciting. I knew there was a learning curve from an acronym perspective. You, Steve, are well aware that in the hospitality world, you know, we we use a lot of acronyms. So sitting around that table, I needed to ensure that I really embraced the community of the people. And I needed to look at every single associate and every single leader was an educator to me. Uh, There were associates who had been in the business in every cent discipline of valued room attendance, cleaning guest rooms for 25 and 30 years. How do I learn what they do? How do I respect what they do? How do I honor what they do? So I spent a, a large amount of my time really working in every single department, working shoulder to shoulder and locking arm with the team to understand exactly what the nuances were. You know, from your food and beverage background, serving a tray on your fingertips, the cherry tomato at three o'clock, all of those things were incredibly important that I needed to, to garner their respect. I needed to respect what they, what they were contributing. And it's something I carry with me to this day, using by way of example, about six weeks ago, being one in one of our hotels, and I put on a uniform and I wore a name tag, and I cleaned 19 guest rooms side by side with the associates, always to remember who I work for and who I represent and who should be sitting in that seat every time we make a decision.
1: Gosh, I love that. That's that's great advice for anybody listening, trying to break in and learning a new industry. I think that still holds today. So did you have anybody kind of push back on you? Because sometimes that happens where say, listen, Jerry, you're, you came from retail, that's not how we do it here. Was that happening to you or was it you were showing so much effort that they bought into, all right, she's gonna, she's gonna belong here?
0: I believe that really understanding operations was a key. And if I would say that there was any resistance, it was really segmenting human resources into just the people piece and posters and parties, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to really being an operational strategic partner. So really leveraging individuals who were in the operational world and understanding how to read the PLs and and the facts and the numbers and understanding how ownership relationships work um, was something that really helped set me aside so that I could sit at that table shoulder to shoulder with someone and I could calculate your food cost for you. And I knew what they were talking about. And so To be able to say, I've done that job, to be able to understand that I know how to reboot a microsystem, I know how to check in a guest, I'm horrible at PBX, Um, but to know how to do that, to know what it's like to auger a drain, again, I think that all of those things help build your, your personal trust value and people respecting you as someone who's not only talking the talk, but walking the walk.
1: Uh, That's great. And so you're at Hilton, you know, over just over five years. You're growing there. And why make that change to Wyndham? Was it they came calling or you were looking? What happens there?
0: Well, Wyndham came looking. Hilton had inquired if I'd be interested in relocating. I had been blessed to become a, a mother at that time, and I didn't want to not be there for my son. So I made the transition to Wyndham International and truly, Wyndham International, this was pre uh, its acquisition with Blackstone and Spinoff, was really an organization where it had such a a pressured community of Wyndham Blue, and you hear about that often, that people really were forward-thinking and hospitality and and eager and engaged. And it was an atmosphere that I was honored and privileged to be part of.
1: And you're growing there too. So everywhere you've been, it's this, this pattern with you, Jerry, which I love to see. As you continue to move up, you don't stay in that, the same role, but you become a corporate director of human resources at Wyndham. What was that like to go from a regional position to this corporate role for the first time?
0: I can remember the jump was, given my role was, is still based in a hotel it still gave me that connection of the human connection of operating in a hotel. And I know with your seasoned history, you understand what I'm saying. It wasn't yes. an ivory tower type of position where I was sitting in a corporate corporate office. So I did maintain a lot of that same role and responsibility and connection to the valued team that works so hard for us every day. But it also allowed me to go ahead and bring to the table some ideas and change and push myself up to the table and say, have we thought about this and to help move continuous improvement processes forward and that uh, bring a, a level of voice to the associates that I don't think necessarily had been as prevalent mm-hmm. at that given time. As I said earlier, in every meeting we have, and every board meeting, there needs to be that empty seat at the table that houses every one of your valued team members, and the decision you make shape their life. And I took that very seriously then. I knew that every decision I made would impact someone's life and their family and them feeding their family and how they would move forward with their family. And that's something I think we always have to remember. Uh, this is very much in people business and was a people business then, and it, it continues to be even more so than ever at people business now.
1: And how are you for the first time? Because how many HR directors were reporting to you? You have people all over the country, right? How yes. did you maintain that culture that you wanted to be seen across the company, across so many different hotels and properties?
0: Well, I always believe you quit a boss. Uh, I think you really have got to, to remember where you came from and you remember that your job's no more important, in fact, less important than those who partner with you. And so being available and accessible and setting a foundation of trust is very important and is so important to me today. But more, more so, I would say, I really take the time to understand not only what's on the surface and what's on that resume, but I really work hard to care about who you are as a person. What's important to you? What's important to your family? What makes you you? What do you love to do when you're not working? So one of my favorite questions as I speak with candidates and we look forward to bringing on board new people is really, let's not even talk about this resume. I can read about your amazing talent, your professional successes, but what are the things that really are important to you that that in your next work responsibility is you're interviewing us as a company? What an honor that is. How can I make this be everything you've ever wanted to be? And, and when I interview folks to this day within the world of Highgate, I want them to want to work for Highgate. I'm proud to represent Highgate. But at the same time, individuals and human resources, not only do I want them to work for Highgate, but I want them to want to work for me.
1: Ah, so that's a great answer as well. You're with Wyndham. You grow there again. You're there five years. It seems like that's a nice pattern for you. Five years you're at that place. But then you make a big change and very different. You go to a company that at that time is growing, only 30 hotels at the time you join, and you join Highgate Hotels where you're at today. Why did you make that change?
0: Well, at the time, going back to the Wyndham International days, Wyndham was acquired by Blackstone, and they did go through a large acquisition. And when they did that acquisition, um, some of the hotels transitioned to LXR, which was a spinoff of Blackstone. Others went to a company named Columbia Sussex, uh, which I got the privilege to work with. Others stayed within the Blackstone world. Some actually transitioned to Highgate, um, which was how I was introduced to Highgate. And others that were the remaining balance of Wyndham International spun to Sendig Corporation. Shortly thereafter, there were six of me across the country within Wyndham International days Mm-hmm. And then there was one of me, and I was the one retained. And so I got the honor to go ahead and spin the balance to sendit Corporation and be part of the dissolve of Sundit and the launch of Wyndham Worldwide, be partner in writing their guest service mantra, Count on Me, and continue to grow within the Wyndham Worldwide umbrella, as it's known today. Persephone, New Jersey, wasn't in my eye line for my family mm-hmm. and my life. And that is when. Uh, Highgate came came forward, and to say it was an easy transition is an understatement. Because I will say, I think I was pre predestined to work for Highgate because one of the beginning parts of Highgate was in their early beginnings in 1996 when they purchased the Detroit Renaissance Center and the Hotel Pontchartrain, and I had my prom at that <laughs> that location. So I think it was written in the stars that I would eventually work with in the world of Highgate.
1: And so when you get there, it's a very different place than where you came from, right? You come from Wyndham, which at the time I'm sure is big, corporate, lots of layers. You get the Highgate, which is a nice size hotel company at the time, but probably very different. What was it like transitioning to a smaller company at that time?
0: It was exciting. It was terrifying. It was unnerving at times. Um, I think you said it best that in the world of a larger organization, you have layers upon layers. And this was a really intimate, more family-oriented and, and brilliant, brilliant organization that was founded by a father and two sons. They didn't have a great people pulse. They didn't have a large human resources community. Um, and they were operating in the absence of that in a brilliant way. They had had unbelievable success. And I really was working to establish a level of trust and respect and foundation of human resources within the organization. And I was privileged, blessed, and honored to have the autonomy to come into the organization and really make my mark on the company. Um, They handed me the company and said, make the culture um, make us best in breed, make us best in class. Let's be pioneering spirits. And I can remember in my first two weeks, brand new sitting in my office, learning the new CEO, the COO who had been there for 30 years, who was a brilliant operator. He walked in my doorway, stood in my doorway and said, how's it going? (laughs) And I said, because I didn't know him yet. I said, respectfully, sir, the recruitment system is not working. (laughs) And he said, blow it up. And I said, respectfully, sir, we've invested around $140,000 in the system. And he said, yeah, but if they're working around it, it's worth nothing. Blow it up. And he turned and (laughs)
1: left.
0: And when I say terrifying uh, initially, it was because I felt paralyzed at that moment. In my former world, it would take a meeting to have a meeting to have a meeting to go back to the first meeting and do a CIP plan and really get a lot of blessings. And I thought to myself, do I really blow it up? And sure enough, within five minutes, I blew it up and we made a transitional change. But it was at that moment that I knew that there was something so distinctive so unique and so inspiring and freeing about working with this really cutting edge and dynamic organization.
1: Did you have that entrepreneurial mindset? That's really what it was before. Did you have that before? Or was you like, wow, I just kind of like in the movies where like a spark goes off. It's like, this is what I was meant to do.
0: I think I've always been fairly uh, edgy in what I did. I've always been really vocal. I've always been super hungry. But to the core of me, I've always been passionate. I think you've got to be passionate. And in my, in my lifetime, and I remember my father early in when I was in high school, um, saying, you know what you, I'm never going to worry about you. You are so passionate about people in life. And I think that for me, really ensuring that I worked with an organization that would embrace me and really allow me to bring my core values to the table was very important early in my career and as as we talked about what would we tell others i remember that there was a time where i was in a role and i was getting a performance review and i remember sitting across from this individual and it was a very positive performance review but i remember how i felt sitting in that chair across from that big desk mm-hmm. And I remember at the very end of that performance review, and again, it was a great performance review, but I remember the individual looking at me with a smile and I'm going to back up a moment saying, and you know what? One final thing, we love having you, but you know what? You may want to tone it down. (laughs) And they tapped the desk. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And I remember all the way to this day thinking to myself, self, what do I do with that? What do I say?
1: I think it's time for me to go.
0: And I looked at her (laughs) and I said, thank you. I said, you know what? I'll tone it down when you tell everyone to tone it up. I love that. So even early in my career, I was not afraid to be bold. And in the world of Highgate, Boldness is everything. You know, we are big in inspiring greatness in everything we do. We're passionately obsessed with excellence. And we always put people first. And, and as I said before, you know, excellence is a blueprint, but people have to be at the center of everything we do.
1: Oh, I love that. And, and I can feel it. So listeners, I, you don't get to see Jerry, but she just has that passion coming off of her. And I can feel it as I'm talking to her. Uh, which you need when you're in your position, at any leadership position, but especially yours, because you are the keeper of the culture, like let's say about human resources. So you had to build this culture. You got to blow up the tools that didn't work for you right at the beginning. How did you start laying the foundation for building this culture that you envisioned?
0: Well, I wish I could take full credit, but I cannot. It takes a village. And it was really enlisting all of the brilliant operators the principals, the CEO, all to be on board with, we're going to do this and we're going to hold a very big mirror up to the organization and we're going to dissect our deficiencies and we're going to be committed together to change it. And so part of that platform was laying a foundation of doing a lot of listening tours, going around and sitting with valued team members and hearing what their pain points were understanding what was important to them, understanding what was working well and what wasn't working well. And then we launched in solicitation with a a third-party provider, we launched two associate engagement surveys, which they didn't have formerly. And the associate engagement surveys, one was 48 questions, and then mid-year, we did a pulse survey of 10. When we did our initial survey, our Beginning results were 72. Industry average was around a 68. In my mind, it was failing. And so what we did then was the most important piece. You can do a survey and ask for feedback, but it's what you do with that survey as you're well aware. We went from getting 50 pages of feedback to 500 pages of feedback. And I will, again, do huge credit to the operators, the COO, the principals who all tolerated sitting in a room with me and going through those surveys line by line by line and making changes and committing to those changes in real time. Our survey results came back in 72 hours. So we had a window where a lot of companies utilize a survey and they get the results after three months and they don't share it with people. We gave everyone a copy Mm-hmm. The good, the bad, the ugly. And we didn't want to cultivate an atmosphere of secrets. And so what we did with that information was consistently mix an insane batch of Kool-Aid and require people to drink it. And every day we had to refine that mixture. Well, fast forward many years later, we took our individual survey and our individual survey ranked us an eighty six. 98% participation rate with over 17,000 associates. Wow. And our operators ranked us in 92. What an honor, what a privilege that we collectively have done some really great things. And how we did that was by saying, because you told us, because you told us, we're making these change because you told us. So when our associates suggested changes to our benefit platforms. We're making them because you told us. Everything was their idea. So to say it's our company is not accurate. It's their company, it's your company. And so the ideas that were put forth were all of them. Um, And I just happened to be part of that communication vessel to help make that happen.
1: And how did you start communicating that with all the the team members across the company? Because it's one thing to get all their data, And what you're saying is, hey, you're the ones telling us this. How did you communicate that through all the properties you now have? Or at that time, you were growing quickly. How did you do that?
0: Again, a lot of listening tours, a lot of going and sharing the results, providing them the feedback, ensuring that every single hotel had copies of all of their comments, um, which was very, very important. Um, We didn't filter them in any way whatsoever. We had town hall meetings happen across our entire portfolio where they did go ahead and share the results. And the leader of that respective hotel would be very vulnerable. And they would go up in front of everyone and read some of the comments. And one of them might say, the general manager is unapproachable or the human resources individual was not responsive to my needs. They would say it aloud. And that right there really disarmed our associates and realized that we weren't afraid. We weren't afraid of the feedback. One very funny story is I mm-hmm. remember going in a hotel in San Francisco and I, I, when I'm in a hotel, I walk every hotel, I talk to every associate, I do town hall meetings, I meet with the team, the associates, I go fold laundry in the, in the housekeeping department. I love to hang out in the kitchen. You'll know that. Um, But I walked into a hotel and I noticed behind the front desk that they only had one printer and that some of their terminals needed to be replaced. So I tend to wave a fairy wand and I said, you know what, I want these replaced in the next 24 hours. And when they come in tomorrow, I really want them to have bows on them. And I want it to be this really grand unveilment. And in their associate engagement survey, they had indicated tools to do their job. And so the next day I received a call from the team and they said, Jerry, oh my goodness, we love these wonderful new terminals and this new printer, but can we have a stapler? (laughs) And so I felt that it was the most complicated things that they needed, but really sometimes it's about the simplest. And so anything I would share with leaders coming up is to listen, to ask questions, and just realize that those simple tools to do someone's job each and every day are some of the most satisfying and gratifying for the team.
1: You touched on something. You know, one of the hardest positions, I think, in a hotel are those first-time managers, assistant managers, mid-level managers that are getting pressure from their team and also from directors and from their corporate office. What advice do you have for them as they're starting out to, like, build their own culture within their department? Because that's usually what sometimes it is. Like, yes, the overall brand has a culture, but how do you create your own culture in that room service department or that housekeeping department that maybe not everybody sees?
0: I would answer that by saying respect the history. You have people who have been in their valued roles for years and years who have so much knowledge And I learn every day from people I work around and I learn every day from our valued teams in the hotels. They help me be a better leader. And I take that very much as an honor. And so I would say anyone going into a leadership role has to go in with a humbleness and a humility We all come from pedigrees and backgrounds and have life experiences and work experience, which are wildly valuable. But going ahead and going into an organization and respecting where they've been and where they are today and then making them a partner on how we're going to move it forward would be the best advice I would provide.
1: Yeah. So for any listeners out there that are just starting out, I think you rewind that while you're driving here, just listen to it again, because that's, that's great advice, Jerry. Now, Highgate has grown exponentially since you got there, right? It's yes, not a little hotel anymore, like a group when you started. So how many hotels
0: are there now? Well over 550.
1: Right, and you've taken over a bunch that were previous management companies and previous brands. How do you incorporate those companies that the people working there maybe got used to drinking the Kool-Aid of another company And now starting to come into yours, how do you incorporate them into your your team, into your family?
0: I would go back to that same answer, honoring who they are and what culture they've already had and bring their best of best practices and learn from them. And it's not because Highgate does everything perfectly. You know, a great example of that is we just went through an acquisition with the Viceroy brand. They have an amazing ethos and we're so eager and excited to keep that intact. We don't want that to feel unvalued. We're learning from what they've done. And so I believe any organization has to be open to learning and changing and molding and being pioneering because you never know what is behind every every corner. People who succeed in our organization have something very much in common they have that entrepreneurial spirit. And while our roles are really different, we really celebrate differing opinions to help us drive success. And so what I would say is we want our leaders never to be done learning and always seek to improve themselves. So we want them to be curious and to, uh, again, look at possibilities and act and explore them. And, you know, consistently think of ways that we can think like an owner. And in my mind, being a sim sheet obsessed, guest obsessed is critical. And the best leaders start with their people and work backwards. You know, they work vigorously to learn and keep the trust of the people they work with and for would be the best answer I could give you, Steve.
1: I think it makes sense. You can do it in a big picture and you can do it just in your department. So it works across the board. I love that. And so I used to work for Viceroy. So I'm excited to see what you all are going to do with that brand because I'm a big fan of it. Um, So I'm excited to see how it grows. I know you all will do great things with it. Is there anything you can share with us or is it all top secret right now?
0: It's such a special group of hotels, as you're well aware. Um, They are unbelievable, to be quite honest. yeah. They're, they're pretty amazing. And so I would say the one thing I can share is our desire to grow the brand. Uh, I, I think that the power of Highgate with the power of their amazing culture and ethos is going to be an unbeatable combination. There's a lot of parallels that Highgate has with Viceroy um, surrounding hiring the best and developing the best and, and recognizing exceptional talent. But our willingness to go ahead and take their organization to another level by, by looking at assets that are worthy of that Viceroy flag is going to be a, a very exciting venture for us as we move forward.
1: Yeah. So listeners, Highgate has fantastic hotels. Make sure you also look at what they have now with Viceroy. It's like the, the screensaver hotels, I call them. It's like where you want to go and imagine and dream to be. Um, so I love, I love hearing that about it. So you're now in this position of overseeing all of these hotels. It's definitely a challenge. You know, I've always been curious in your role, a lot of the leaders of hotels, not a lot, but most of them are alpha females and alpha males running their hotels. And sometimes they may not agree with everything that's being sent to them. How do you ensure that you work with those leaders that may not want to run things the way it's seen at a corporate level?
0: I would say that the leaders are obligated to be respectfully challenging in decisions when they don't agree, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think leaders operate at all different levels. And the first thing is to ensure that you've garnered trust. And I've said trust several times because I do think that the best leaders I've gotten the opportunity to partner with listen attentively. They speak candidly but they always treat others respectfully and they're vocally self-challenging and they're also challenging against their team and they benchmark themselves and their teams against the very best. Um, but the one thing I would say is that disagreement is healthy. Conviction and being tenacious without compromising you know, yourself and having ego in that Making decisions that are the best decisions is incredibly important. And so all of us want to deliver results. All of us want to show value. All of us want to feel like we're contributors. Um, But I do think, going back to the trust component, if you establish that trust and that respect, your voice is relevant. And so when we bring individuals and we, again, talk about hiring the best and expect the best, The one thing I share with everyone is when you come into the organization, don't show us what we already know. Show us what we don't know. Show us what we don't see. And don't be afraid to give us that opinion because it is gonna make us a better company. And it's the differing opinions that's gonna make us stronger as an organization. And it's gonna help aid in driving our success for the future.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned hiring the best. And so hiring right now is a challenge for a lot of hotels and hospitality companies across the board. How are you seeing this new wave of potential employees coming up that are maybe graduating college or doing their first jobs? You know, you mentioned you have two sons. How do you see getting this young blood, like you and I were coming into the companies, getting them into the industry?
0: I am so inspired by my kids, I can tell you. Um, My 24-year-old is a recent a collegiate athlete and graduate. And I learned so much by listening to him and his friends and, and the way that they work and the way that they think. And some of the things that are important to that workforce is just what was important to you and I as we came up. Are you pouring into me? Do you care who I am? Are you an honorable organization that really has care and community But other things that are very important are things such as philanthropic efforts and sustainability. All of those things are really important to the new workforce coming in, and they want to make positive choices, not only for themselves, but for others and the planet. So they really think very holistically in the way that they work um, and the way that they operate. I think you can't buy loyalty Mm -hmm. I, I do believe very strongly that you have a responsibility to take seriously your role in coaching others. And so one of the things I would say is ensuring that learning journeys are available and working on behalf of the individuals that are coming in. They may not come with a large pedigree of expertise and experience, but they're coming with an exciting new lens that was not around when I came up in the business we weren't on um you know we were on blackberries if I'm dating myself right um but the technology components of it and the way that they socialize is so exciting and so don't be afraid to look at those individuals coming out of school and say that they are they don't have great value I think our industry is so exciting and there's so many places that you can build your career. And under the umbrella of Highgate are so many different facets of hospitality, whether it's in our full service division, our select service division, our international division, our healthcare division with senior living. Um, We have an umbrella that allows people to work for one employer and move around our organization. And by giving individuals the autonomy to learn and then develop and to give them options such as eCornell affiliations, Franklin Covey affiliations. We just recently launched our LMS system with Cornerstone On Demand with 17,000 different learnings that are self-paced. It's going to help build your bench strength.
1: Gosh, you know, I think that's, you see it with the companies that are succeeding, like yours that are hiring people and being flexible Are you seeing that some of the people coming in are wanting to move up much faster than we were expecting? I mean, you kind of mentioned it. you say, I want your job, you know, now. Are you seeing that with younger kids coming up now or not younger kids, but younger uh, employees that are starting that way?
0: I do think that there's an eagerness for advancement. And I do think that there's more vocalness than ever to go ahead and push to that table, which I really love. And we as an organization embrace. Um, So growing what you planted is the best way I could say it. Mm -hmm. Um, Continually investing in the people is the most important part of our brand. We spend a significant time in our organization really learning about our teams, as I said, and what are their goals and their strengths and their interests. So we can fully support not only their personal aspirations, but their career growth. And so we really work to identify what those aspirations are early and allow them the openness and autonomy to come in and say, you know what? Hey coach, put me in. We put in place many uh, resource groups. We have high impact groups that really focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. We really want individuals to be present and allow them to help guide the success and the right direction of our organization. So to go back to your original question, I think it goes down to who do you want to be? What do you want to be? And how do we help get you there? And you're as much a part of that discussion in owning that, that path and vocalizing that path. But working for an organization that gives you the ability to be open, to share that path is very, very important.
1: Listen, you've spent a great deal of time with us, Jerry. You shared fantastic information, but I have one last question. So if young Jerry was starting now, just came out of school, was joining one of your hotel teams, what advice would you give Jerry if she was starting
0: today? Wow. I would say that identifying what you want to be takes time. And as you enter into the workforce, trying things on is very, very important. Just like getting changed every day. And I would encourage anyone who's listening to make sure that you continue to try and strive to find a company that works to bring out your best. You want to work for an organization that allows you to continue to flourish and that allows you to be overly expressive, that allows you to be a part of the contribution of your organization. And so if I were going to give, um, some advice to my younger self would be, you know, keep raising my own bar, realize this is a very big world. And in hospitality, as you know, uh, you can work anywhere in any different environment internationally. And I think venturing into all of those exciting markets is just, such a, an amazing opportunity, and I would say keep dreaming it. Dream it differently. Dream your story, and and have a great time doing it.
1: Gosh, Jerry, you got me pumped up. I'm ready. I'm ready to dream my story a little bit more every day now. Well, Jerry, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. You've shared such great stories and advice. If somebody wants to connect with you out there, is there a good way for them to do that?
0: Certainly, they're always welcome to email me at gwfits at highgate.com.
1: All right. Well, Jerry, once again, very grateful for spending this time with you. I appreciate you doing it.
0: Thank you so much, Steve. Again, a true honor to be here with such a hospitality, you know, ambassador. I'm truly, truly honored. Thank you.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Biscayne Coffee. Biscayne Coffee was founded with a giving spirit and a big idea to enjoy delicious coffee roasted in Miami while helping save Biscayne Bay and the animals that live there. As a former food and beverage director, I can assure you these are some of the best quality beans on the planet. 10% of every coffee sold is donated to nonprofits to help preserve Biscayne Bay for all to enjoy. Visit BiscayneCoffee.com today and use promo code MENTOR at checkout to save 10% on your first order. Drink good coffee and create a good outcome.